All right, guys, welcome back to episode 55 of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. Thanks for joining us. We got uh, myself, Sheldon, and Tristan sitting down with us today. Hello. Original three here. And we're going to be, uh, I guess, uh, chatting a little bit about what we've been up to and what uh, what we got planned for the for the fall here. My big question here for the episode is who's doing the five burning questions? Who? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a dirty one. Um, first question, Tristan, what's the biggest fish you've caught in all your camping trips this summer? Oh, definitely the clearwater fish uh, out there, both uh, the personal best rainbow on the fly and then also the the lake trout on uh, on a spinning tackle there. So definitely those fish were the, the largest so far this year. So yeah, the, not really uh, went to Bird River, didn't really this past week or this Bird Lake technically and um, didn't fish too hard. It was pretty hot out. So that was more of an R&R kind of do a little camping, do a little relaxing and, uh, you know, hit the water if you have an opportunity kind of situation. Nice. What is the Bird Lake? Like, what do you do for R&R when you're there? Like, just sit around the fire at night and read books during the day? Like, what do you guys like to do? Definitely uh, sit around the fire, of course, yeah. But uh, we cook a lot of food, way too much food, typically. Um, but, man, was it hot this weekend. So we actually made a point to going out to the – they got Tulby Falls right next to Bird Lake. And uh, if you've never been, I would highly recommend it. It's a pretty cool uh, waterfall pretty close to Winnipeg uh, and we one afternoon we just sat in the falls for a little while just to cool down and take in something new and uh, that was nice uh, but for sure the road up to Nope that that Bird Lake is situated in Nopamine Provincial Park and that road can be a little perilous it uh, laid claim to our trailer jack and we almost lost our spare tire on the way up too so that was kind of a kind of a gong show. Yeah, I think Tyler said his uh, his camper was a bit of a yard sale too when he uh, when he got home. Yeah, and even even on the way up when we lost the spare, um, Carly was driving at the time, and the, the, the <laughs> I don't want to point any fingers here. Yeah, gotta just yeah. add that in. You yeah, gotta add that in. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Don't want to name names <laughs> on this podcast, but Carly Malowski. <laughs> was driving at the time and uh the the truck had a good tug to it and i it, we had just finished going down the hill and i thought it was just kind of the boat doing a thing where it readjusts its either push pull on on the truck no it turns out that the spare had fallen clean off of the the holder there that we got a princess auto and uh was run over by our boat trailer so luckily there was a couple guys right behind us who uh, managed to pick it up. So, hey, guys, if you're listening, thank you very much for doing the right thing and uh, scooping that spare and tracking us down in the Bird Lake campground because uh, that saved us probably $120. Did they find you in Bird Lake or how did that go down? They were right behind (laughs) us. So I guess they saw us pulled over about 20 yards away from a tire that I didn't notice was gone. (laughs) And uh, they managed to scoop it for us. So that was that was. Very nice of them. Nice. Circling back to what you're saying, what you guys cooked a lot of food. Did you happen to light up that tip barrel? Yeah. So if we're gonna get immediately to the what is on the grill question for us, um, sure. Took that pit barrel out, and um, it was actually kind of cool because I know like taking like a full size barbecue out can be a hassle sometimes, but I was actually able to pack up all the pit barrel components. And the um, the charcoal as well, and uh, bungee cord it up and strap it down in the boat, and it made the ride out just fine all the way to uh, the camp. So it was it was like this own little self-contained unit. And I was in camp. I pulled it out and set it up. It was up and rocking in like ten minutes. We had the coals going, kind of scenario. So it was uh, it was pretty pretty handy in that regard. And then so we lined up smoking both some ribs and some uh, a half a chicken. And uh, it was super, super handy because after those coals got going, put the ribs on, close it, kind of set it and forget it. And then you get to that uh, kind of relaxing camping that we were talking about and uh, wait for dinner. That's sweet. And then so does, did Carly like them this time? Because I know in a previous podcast I said Carly was 
didn't really like smoking ribs at one time because it took too long for the product. But yeah, so the ribs turned out phenomenal, and we've done ribs on there before. Um, what I was really happy about though was the chicken, and uh, Carly had mentioned that it was the best chicken that she ever had. I don't, I don't know the exact science between behind how the pit barrel works so maybe we should get one of their reps on to talk about it but like the, the chicken clearly has, she hasn't ate at charlie's yeah so maybe <laughs> maybe charlie biggs there yeah yeah just kidding uh but best barbecue chicken out there she uh she like i don't like i said i'm not sure how this works but like it had this great crust on it and then inside it was just like super juicy like it retained all the moisture inside and had like this great crust like with nice smoke flavor on the outside so it was pretty awesome and the other thing that was super cool when we were cooking the ribs you know how you use them on the hooks yeah um towards the end of the rib cooking process um wasn't sure what we we're going to do for sides so i just foiled up a few potatoes and stuck them on the end of the hooks like shish kebab style nice bingo bango there's your uh there's your side for uh for ribs you could, yeah. Did you stick them right on the same, yeah. same hook as the rib was on? Yeah. Oh, it's genius. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can fit so much space or stuff in there that way, right? It's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. That's sweet, man. I never would have ever, ever thought about that. I'm going to try that out now. What were you doing, Chase? Well, I had, uh, I, I don't want to kind of tie into, I'm sure Sheldon's going to get into this story, but I, I had some, uh, some wild mushrooms sitting in the fridge that I needed to do something with so i was going to do uh, make a little pasta tonight with them and that i did but uh actual com- component that i added to it was uh I, t- I had a shank from my from my buck that i shot this fall and i put that in the pit barrel at 8 30 this morning excuse me and then i uh left went fishing till around 1 30 came back <clears throat> she was still rolling and I just added a couple more coals in there just to be sure, and I smoked that till about four thirty. Took that off, put my um, big Dutch oven in there, and then I fried up like a all my start on my pasta sauce there, and then put everything all together. It turned out pretty awesome. I'm not and uh, just I'm not not to cut you off, but I want everyone to know that it is a Wednesday, and we obviously pay Chase way too much money. But Panoramic Outdoors and the fish all day today. <laughs> <laughs> I took my kids fishing today. I'm I'm uh, Mr. Mom three days a week right now, just the way it's working out. And uh, so me and my dad and the boys went fishing. Didn't catch one fish, but um, I mean it's just good to get them and me out of the house. And where'd you guys go fishing? We're just on the red, right by the bridge, Selkirk. Oh, geez, I wish I would have known. So we uh, <laughs> super disappointed. We we fished on. Uh, on the south side when we first got there and caught three snags in a row and lost all our rigs. So we moved to the other side of the bridge and didn't get any snags, but also didn't get any fish. A couple bites, but nothing serious. The kids were more into like digging holes in the mud and throwing rocks in the water. So I'm sure they would have been pumped if we would have caught a fish, but that didn't happen, which was kind of surprising. I think it's pretty shallow there, judging by how long it took the, took the line to tighten up. It's pretty right. quick. That pasta sure turned out great, though. It was nice. Yeah, it was, my, it was my first time kind of doing it that way. Uh, Josh McFadden had recommended that's a little dish to try out with uh, with the mushrooms. And uh, I just kind of added the the smoked shank component. And it, it was similar to what you described in the chicken, man. just had a very nice crust on it. And those shanks have lots of connective tissue in it in them so like typically with a piece of wild game that it gets super dry if you cook it for that long but with all that connective tissue stayed moist in there and it was just beautiful once i busted it apart so that turned out great yeah that's crazy and if you're looking for a pit barrel barbecue head to pitbarrelcooker.com on the old interweb if you guys are listening down in the states they got free delivery if you're here in canada go to their website you can look on their map to see where their distributors are and if you're in manitoba here there's like two or three spots uh, throughout Manitoba you can stop by and pick one of them up. Highly recommend from all the guys at Panoramic. We use them all the time. Love them. Some nitrous I'm saying, super easy. Chase was saying lots of flavor and taste to it. And, yeah, super inexpensive to run. So if you're looking for one, that's pitbarrelcooker.com. I got a little pro tip for the for the pit barrel thing right now I want to share with everybody too. And, and uh, 
Tristan, I think you were using the briquettes this weekend, and Sheldon, you said you used briquettes as well, right? In yours? Yeah, that's right. I was using the charcoal, like burnt oak or whatever it is there. Okay, so it wasn't briquettes? No, it was like legitimate charcoal, yeah. Okay, okay, I see. Anyways, yeah, I was using this this massive lump charcoal with like three or four inch logs in it of charcoal, right? And uh, I, th- I think that was maybe part of the reason that it burned for so long because lots of the little chunks were burnt out, but those big chunks were still oh, still totally. smoldering in there. And uh, I don't know, I really I really like using that that really legit lump charcoal. Yeah, because that's what we were using when we were in bird. And, like, we did the ribs for almost six hours, and that thing still had a lot of jam in it when nice. I opened it up. So Nice. For sure. Like, second that. And uh, Sheldon, did you have anything on the grill there this week? Um, yeah, I well, I, on Friday night cooked um, some deer backstraps, but I put it in like this mustardy, um, like kind of like sauce, almost like barbecue sauce that I made for about I don't know twelve hours before I threw it on the barbecue. Did you? And I had the barbecue like smoking hot, like seven hundred degrees, and kind of seared it and then i turned the barbecue off for one burner and just let it sit there for probably i don't know 15 minutes or so and they came out like amazing and the package is pretty big so i went mushroom foraging hunting whatever you want to call it with josh the following day so we ate that with some like some like sharp cheddar and some crackers just sliced up and it was super good had that like mustardy outside on it so it was great did you make the mustard I made the mustard, but I didn't. I didn't use make make it mustard. No. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say make, I, when I made the mustard, it was just basically a bunch of sauces from the fridge and some spice and sugar and blah blah blah. So, but it worked out good. Liked it. Nice. And how about on the tap? Oh, bottle of spice rum on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was Saturday. <laughs> You know what? I I was in this. I I've been trying to track down a TCB mixer pack for the past like week, and they've been sold out everywhere I go. I even tried looking at the online beer delivery today, and uh, not there. Yeah, when I was talking to Mandy when I was there, she said that uh, things are flying off the shelves pretty quick. So get in there. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Uh, that mixer pack's a great idea though. Like that's I was super pumped when they came out with it, but. Yeah, and, and it, I'm pretty sure it changes seasonally, too. I know. It's awesome. Which is, yeah, that's amazing. Just keep mixing it up. Yeah. You guys are just making these segues. Just go right through it. But if you are looking for a Trans-Canada beer, go down to 1290 Keniston in Winnipeg. Their tap room, patio, and retail store is now open. Um, they're obviously following all the rules for COVID, and they got limited hours. But you can go on their website, www.tcb.beer. Get all their information. Um, try their beers out. We we like them. Those county sours are great. Um, but yeah, check them out. I was uh yeah I was actually in the LC today and didn't see one county sour in there. So they for sure are flying off the They're shelves. They're in demand. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what's the funny thing here? Uh, um, Staff Explorers. You guys follow that account? Yeah. Yeah, she does yeah. Some great Manitoba content about hiking and uh, camping in Manitoba just to be redundant and um she had a picture of one of the cherry county sour i believe it was up so i gave her like one you know the the double high five on instagram or something like that yeah yeah. and she was like oh yeah yeah we got it because uh, i saw you guys liked it it's like yeah we influenced the shit out of that <laughs> <laughs> no just kidding but like yeah it's just it's kind of cool to see that it's uh catching on just because it is a Winnipeg product, and you know it is it is a pretty darn good product. Mm-hmm. It it was funny. I was in uh, the Nepal Golf Country Club the other week, and I went for lunch with the pro there, Landon, and he was talking about uh, when these when the pilsners come like cans came in. I think it's a pilsner one with the guy like shooting on the goalie and scoring top cheddar there. That's the lamplighter. Lamplighter, right? I don't know how I didn't know that. Anyways, so he said he got these cans and he's looking at them. He's like, man, these are awesome, just like the labels on them. And there's one guy that golfs at men's night named Lance, and he's just like, he's this hilarious type guy. And uh, so Lance goes in there and is like, hey, can I get a Michelob? And Landon's like, well, no, we're sold out of them. He's like, well, just get me whatever you want. He's like, oh, you should try this lamplighter. You'll love the labels on it. So he went and got, grabbed it and showed it to Lance. And Lance is like, 
Oh, Jesus Christ, he's going top 10. 50,000. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, I don't know. It's kind of a funny story, but. The other thing that was kind of cool when I was on the website is I noticed you can order a whole keg right off their website. So if if you're planning on having yourself a really good weekend, you don't you don't even have to talk to anyone. <laughs> Zero judgment. Yeah. <laughs> we'll only have to talk to Jody at the end of it when we when she sees the bill, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh file it under miscellaneous, please. Yeah. And then yeah. So and that what's on the what's on the turntable, fellas? What are you listening to? Man, we dove deep into some core blunt Saturday night. I know that. Like how how deep? Did you get all the way down to the smalls? That's his like punk band. We did not get down to the smalls, but we got yeah, we didn't get that deep. Some of some of his new stuff, and obviously some of his older stuff. Truth runs out. We're listening to, and uh, what's his new duet called again? Oh, I think you ought to drink whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's a good one. I think you ought to drink gin. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Me? Oh, come back to me. Come back to me. I'm gonna do it. I'm mine is gonna be uh. Mitch Glans again from out west just because he sent us was it on Instagram maybe? Yeah. On his story. He's writing the music or shooting a music video and I think our hat might have an appearance in it. One of our hats. So that's kinda kinda neat. So another shout out to him if you want to check his stuff out. Uh look him up. He's on Spotify and iTunes and all that fun stuff. Bob Dylan. Yeah. Yep. Old Robert there. Been listening to him a nice. bit. Starting to uh transition into that singer songwriter kind of recap and uh following his journey there pretty cool solid solid yeah for sure right on and chase you've been shooting your bow lots or what i have i'm i'm oh man i'm I'm just have a real love-hate relationship with that thing right now um so uh i i got it tuned up at alan's there alan's custom bow tuning ain't no free ads (laughs) (laughs) just kidding (laughs) Anyways, he he did a wicked job of like walking me through everything and showing me what he was doing, and then uh, so we we bare shaft tuned it, and it was shooting great. And uh, then like last week, sometime or like week and a half ago, just started shooting off to the right, like say like three inches at thirty yards, kind of thing, or four inches at thirty yards. And obviously, it it reciprocated and and through to like sixty, so it was like six or seven inches to the right at sixty. And uh, I was like, man, this isn't good. And I started adjusting my grip and all this stuff and couldn't bring it back and couldn't figure out what was going on. So I just adjusted my sight and I've just been looking at my bow and it looks like my rest has somehow moved or something. And my fletching is now hitting my rest. And because there's like a mark in the, in the, uh, on the like felt that's, protects my rest so it doesn't make the arrow doesn't make noise when it's on there and you can see just like where the fletching's hitting it and the fletching the bottom right fletch has a black mark on it on every arrow where it's making contact Hmm. well alan if you're listening to this podcast you just found yourself a repeat customer (laughs) yeah i sent him an sos last night or the night before and i was like man i don't know what's going on and I, i i set up like a makeshift paper tuner and and uh everything's knocked left on it so um i i I would love to know what happened i I feel like somebody sabotaged me (laughs) (laughs) but i have no idea like like why why would that something would move like that i don't know it's that gosh darn humidity could be could be yeah some sheldon you been shooting at all um yeah i got my boat for a few shots or a few weekends ago and uh or you know two weekends ago but i haven't been shooting during the week just because of uh I don't really have a place to shoot that's very, very easy. But um, I think, yeah, after this long weekend, starting in August, I'll be trying to shoot every day or every couple of days for sure. So, But I'm not as technical as Chase. If you can put it in a small margarine container at 50 yards, I think something's going to die. <laughs> like, I think the more concerning thing here is that you eat margarine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was mine. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I haven't shot at all, really, now looking back at it. And I'm low on arrows, too, so this is just all colluding to, to turn into something where um, there's going to be a, there might be a few excuses coming when uh, archery opens up. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to avoid is, like, every possible thing that I can do to better myself. And 
<laughs> knock the excuses off is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And Tristan, you you never got drawn this year, but you are planning to do a bit of whitetail archery, I assume? Yeah, that would be the plan to like just uh with the way life's going right now, like whitetail would be like kind of day trip whitetails is gonna just be so much more feasible for me than as much as it's gonna like hurt my soul not to participate in a full elk camp since we started that tradition. Um, just uh, life circumstances did not allow it this year. So uh, hopefully I get out with you guys a little bit here and uh, am able to, you know, maybe do a little filming, a uh, little bit of uh, cooking and who knows, maybe a little bitch work around camp too, <laughs> just to pitch in a bit, you know. Also heard Keevan didn't get drawn, so I'm in good company. <laughs> yeah. Did the... Uh... Um, are you going to take pat leaf? Uh, no, no, no. I'll take some time, but I won't take pat leaf. No. Yeah. I've got some time, time saved up, but yeah. Yeah. And then you two guys got drawn though. So that's exciting. We did. Yeah. What do you guys think of that draw system? That's one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about. Like just the whole like online experience. Cause they've shifted it significantly since, um, since obviously since they had the paper record, right? Yeah. Uh, well, my opinion on it is like, it's certainly a step in the right direction to go that way. And inevitably it would be going that way. Mm-hmm. So I guess the sooner the better kind of thing. It certainly had its challenges, mm-hmm. right? Uh, nothing was perfect and there was a lot of issues with, with, uh, with going online and, and, uh, people are having issues that really aren't computer savvy and, and all that so that's obviously a big hurdle but um for me i like it i got my tags you know kind of thing and i and uh i can buy a deer license and go hunting tomorrow if i want right yeah there's definitely like an element of convenience to it in that regard and uh but to me i think my biggest qualm here and like let's just let's just be clear on the front end here like whenever i've had an issue I've had my most success calling in to to resolve that issue as opposed to doing an email or something like that. Right. Um, When I call in, the folks working the call center there are just fantastic. Um, And they're able to guide me through all that. I appreciate the work they do. However, like it, it seems to me that whoever put this system in place, like didn't consult hunters or anglers when they put it in place. Do you know what I mean? Because it's the the big gaps that I see are like, if you were to ask hunters what they wanted, and you can see it, like, go on Facebook for 30 seconds and ask something about the draw system, and you'll see the same comment over and over again, right? Whereas, if I wanted to carry a paper tag around in my pocket, we would have just stuck with the old system. Right. It's It's kind of like the paper part is like the license and the tag is like a separate yeah, thing yeah right? exactly right yeah. but you still have to print off and this this starts a new problem with like what about people that don't have printers yeah or have trouble accessing that kind of information right big time so like definitely like introduce some new barriers and like while it's solving some problems like i don't think hopefully they take steps further here to to figure out some of these other real practical issues that i think people are rightly raising in a lot of ways right yeah like if you would have talked to hunters on the ground i don't know how you guys feel but i feel like they would have told you right off the hop hey i just want a piece of plastic or something that you know a a conservation officer can scan and that'll tell them or her exactly how many licenses i have if they're valid all that kind of stuff you know what i mean yeah yeah that that, that, that's like light light years ahead of what manitoba is possible uh, capable of i feel like and, uh, I mean, yeah, we're, I don't know. No. And the thing is too, is I got a couple of opinions and some add-ons to your guys' talk here, but like the whole, like the whole system I think is going to be great over time. I think they should have integrated it slowly as in maybe just fishing license this year to get people on that board and, you know, maybe like a, whatever, like a turkey license or something small. Um, I, I don't know, like for some of the hiccups that there was in the big, big draw system maybe they could have left that out for another year or two and just like just try to get the ball rolling that way and then the other thing too is everyone kind of says well you know it's be so easy with like just a piece of plastic and you could scan it and i 100 percent agree it's just like our boating license in this province and in our country like 
I went to go and renew my boater's license, they told me just to print it off on the internet. And I was just like, well, what do you mean? Like, don't, like, can't I just use my number and just show them the number and they can look it up? And they're like, no. It's just like, well, what kind of system are you guys running? Like, it doesn't make sense. And then mm-hmm. when you do get your draw license, your, your, your tags are about nine times the size of what they used to be. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, you can't complain about everything because I think totally. there's a lot of good and positive behind it, but. And there's going to be hiccups too. Like I, I fully acknowledge that. You know what I mean? Like there's implementing a new system. You're not going to foresee every possible um, scenario for sure. But I think like a little on the ground consultation might have gone a long ways in just making sure a few of those needs are met at the front end so they don't have to reinvent the wheel halfway through a system. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. The other thing that kind of grinds me here as well, this whole thing is that the call center, correct me if I'm wrong, is like down south somewhere in like Texas or New Mexico or something. Um, I I thought that the number that I called looked local, but I think that the and like don't quote me on this, but like I think it's that the the people who actually administer like the data collection and the the tag information are are down yeah. south, but it the the folks helping with the uh, I think. I think like the uh, technical difficulties on the website itself, I think, are most likely dealt with through the people down south. Actually, I'm not even going to get into this. When when I let's find that out. I will tell you when when I when my turkey license wasn't going to make it in time for turkey season. I called the uh, sustainable development. The lady there was able to cancel my my online one, and and I went and bought one in town. Yeah, from the uh, from the SD office. So Chase, you were scouting there on the weekend, uh, kind of where we're gonna go elk hunting. Was there anything specific that you're looking for, and like what what did you do out there? Did you put up some cameras or anything? Uh, yeah, so I went out with a couple guys that uh, that are gonna be hunting the same area that uh, I got drawn for the same area, and they they'd never been there before. So um, I kind of showed them around and did a bit of scouting. We hit a couple spots, but man, I feel like time just flies out there or things just take way longer than you expect them to so um we went to a couple areas that that we kind of find elk in and uh one we pretty much just went down a trail to make sure there's no hiccups on the trail like no logs or anything cross it so we could we could access it and then the area we hunt is actually like uh quite a ways in the forest and it was saturday was ridiculously hot it was like i think like plus 33 or plus 34 without the humidex and uv index and all that business so it was pretty crazy didn't want to walk that amount and then uh then we went into another spot found some great sign set up a camera and uh hit another spot found a little bit of sign not as promising as the second spot set up another cam and then uh just went and checked out the last spot did a little drive-by on the way home and uh yeah that was it for for elk scouting super warm found a few mushrooms out there some belites belites is that how you say it or bullets blaze yes is that how people say it i have no idea <laughs> i have no idea i think it's belaze anyways decent day put in out there found some sign and uh things are looking promising did you show them our a spots or b so, spots um a little bit of both Really, eh? <laughs> Must like these guys. <laughs> and so, once you have these cameras set up, <clears throat> are you going to be checking them prior to the to the hunt in September? Or are you going to just check them when you get there? Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on going out. Hopefully, opening day. If not opening day, or we'll opening week there sometime, and I'll check them, check them then. And then, uh, yeah, that'll be it. I don't, I don't have any plans at this time to to go out before before season opener to check the cams the one thing uh-huh. is in my mind like there was one area that there was like very distinct elk sign and i thought to myself like i don't need to put a camera here i know there's elk here probably going to shoot any elk that comes within archery range but uh what i what i am interested in is seeing if there's any like monster bulls way back where we dive deep into the woods there so that's that. That was kind of the my focus with the cameras to get a little bit deeper and uh, get into some of the areas where we had encounters with some more mature animals. Yeah, and that's the thing too when it comes to scouting. And 
anybody that's listening that might be getting into it, <clears throat> there's one thing of like knowing where the deer are coming through and uh, throwing up cameras on those known trails that, you, you know, maybe your hunting partners or whatever have been telling you about for years. There's, you, you can put it on there, but like same with me when I go scouting, a lot of times I like to check out some other areas where I think they might be moving into or, you know, kind of maybe later in the season, I'll move my cameras to different areas where I know they're going to be using the trails. Um, but to take that one camera and throw it on that known trail to see what's in and around the areas is obviously beneficial too. But depending on how many cameras you have as well, right? If you have a tag that you are pretty much going to shoot anything like uh, cow or, or bull or whatever, yeah, using your cameras on those trails might not be as effective. But little tip, just a tip for all you hunters out there <laughs> did you uh would have did you put in some time scouting for for your archery deer season yet or what have you been up to yeah yeah we got all our cameras up there the last couple of weeks i've had been having some trouble with bushnell um a couple bushnell cameras it just isn't i don't know what's going on like if a battery like where their battery's going if it's not connecting properly or something but it'll turn on in the shop and take pictures in the shop and as soon as i put in a tree and then the timer goes blah 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 and i leave and come back like a couple weeks later and there's no pictures like it's just turned off so i don't know what's going on with those but hopefully get those figured out but yeah we got i think six cameras set up and i've been out maybe half a dozen times now this summer just sitting in trees in our one big tree stand haven't seen anything that's blowing my mind but there's a lot of deer like a lot of does and calves i've seen a lot of does with with twins now it's it's almost unfortunate we don't have another tag um for that because i think there's a lot of deer around this year yeah obviously the uh i'm sure the the food sources for the ungulates are just phenomenal this summer with with uh with the rain and the heat that we've had you know it certainly hasn't been dry up till up to this last week pretty much it's been a pretty steady kind of rain heat rain heat so food sources are plentiful i'm sure Sheldon, I got another question for you, but before I ask you about your uh, fall plans here, um, you know who's been killing it in the scouting game? Is that Shane Boutonnieri, uh, Art of Bowhunting? Yeah, yeah, we had him on the podcast a little while ago there, and and uh, man, his his Instagram stories and stuff are phenomenal. I've I've been learning so much from that dude's stories, uh, just just watching them, and he's been finding some big bucks too. He's got that one beautiful, I think it's a five by five, like big main beams on it and, and nice and tall. So it's going to be a nice deer. Yeah. Yeah. And he's uh the kind of, he's given me a, I feel like he's given us a peek behind the curtain here of like some deer ecology or deer um, habitat that you don't really get in an accessible way. You'd have to read like a science journal yeah. to, to get that information. And Shane's just... Putting some key features and mm-hmm. that kind of thing out there, and I, for me at least, it really helps me conceptualize and make sense of deer habits and how they move, um, whitetail habits, those kind of things. Right when uh, you can be more intentional and more focused on where you want to spend your time in the bush, if you understand where the bedding areas are, why they're bedding there, you know the features that they enjoy in a bedding area, and the same thing with the food source, obviously, right. So it makes, I think it like you makes things real tangible in that sense. Yeah. So Sheldon, looping back to your fall plans here, I'm just curious uh, what you really got lined up, and it's it sounds like you've got your scouting game kind of established and running already. But what's what's really the the game plan for the fall here? Are you targeting something specific? Or are you like hoping to maybe change up a stand style or something like that? Like what's going to be new this fall? Um. That's a really good question. I haven't thought about that too much. I've been more thinking about um, achievement with my bow uh, as kind of the main goal this year. And if it's not with whitetail or elk, I'm definitely going to go um, up north as well to go moose hunting. Might not be an archery hunt, but just getting uh, an elk or moose is kind of between getting something with my bow and get or else getting an elk or moose is kind of my two main goals. Um, the new thing that I'm going to be doing a lot differently this year, I guess just kind of off the top of my head is kind of something I mentioned last year at the end of the season when I'm, I think I got to get my like scent game a little bit better. Um, anybody that's listened to our pod, like our past podcast, I, 
I do set up a lot of tree stands so I can play the play the wind really well, but I think I can still do better. Um, and I think that's one of the things I'm going to try to focus in on and and just see. I don't know. I don't know if you can really tell you know that that often when you're hunting those big bushes when you you, you don't see the animals half time because they see you or smell you before the, before you see them. But try something different. Just try to be a little bit better. Do you run any like uh, doe and heat or anything like that when you're out there, or any of those scent sticks? Uh, yeah, last year I, I ran some scent sticks. <clears throat> I don't know if they do anything. Moose hunting, I love running them. I, I run the moose scent sticks, but I tried it in whitetail season. I didn't mind it. Like I don't know if it really does much, but I mean it can't hurt because I know there's lots of deer standing around the stand when it was burning. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the the, the calves doesn't bother them. Um, but yeah, a couple of those like almost like a buck bomb but they're by tink i can't remember what they're what they're called i've used them before and my two-year-ago buck came right out on like a string with that stuff like it would have been a perfect commercial nice but that's cool yeah other than that i don't run too 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 much we ran those scent sticks a few years ago yeah we did one one cool thing that's uh that's nice about them is you get to kind of judge the wind when it's a super calm day right you can they act as a bit of a wind indicator i remember that one morning we're right. chasing that bull and uh man the wind was so calm the smoke from that entire sand stick pretty much settled in that like 10 by 10 opening that we were sitting <laughs> sitting in and i was just like this is useless <laughs> you think yeah keevan Ke- yeah it was keevan runs those things behind his ears like like a pen yeah oh man i i had a, a pack of the whitetail ones and i left them open in my one backpack and i think that thing still smells like scent sticks so i'm pretty i'm pretty careful with them but uh i'm still hesitant to use that backpack or put anything in there that i don't want smelling like doing heat you don't like that smell yeah I'm just kidding well wow. that's the same thing i i had some i don't know how but i got something on my pant leg and one of my on one of my pairs of pants and i went uh I keep all my stuff in Rubbermaids, and I went and opened one up the other day looking for something. It stunk. I was just <laughs> like, Jesus. But I think we've talked before. But, on yeah, the- those that's basically my fall plans. Oh, nice. I was just going to say, I think we've talked before on the show about, like, um, kind of sensory triggers and stuff like that. And I've got this weird smell that I can picture in my head. It's like this combination of, like, that dough and heat scent stick, a kind of a little bit of musty smell from sitting in a Rubbermaid all all year and uh maybe a little bit of like uh spent shotgun shell or something i can't describe it perfectly but like when i pull the clothes out of the out of the closet in the fall or it's time to go like that smell is a very tangible reminder to me that a good time is about to be had (laughs) what's your i want to ask sheldon here what's your what's your game plan for opening week are you gonna hit it like opening day kind of thing are you gonna wait till like some days off to go out or what are you thinking for elk no uh for i guess for elk and for because deer opens up the same week too right yeah i'm uh i'm probably gonna do whitetail for the first few days i'm not gonna take any time off till i think like mid or mid september and then i'll take probably some time off there and go hard for elk hunting give it a good shot at least you know like uh seven or ten days and yeah um and then yeah and then just get into deer hunting and then once october hits i'll probably or the end of september i guess go for for a moose hunt up north right on what are you gonna do i don't know i I was talking to well i mean i want to elk hunt hard this year obviously right out of the gate um i like getting out opening week because i feel like obviously they're less pressured if you know there's elk in the area then you know just kind of go in tiptoeing around and try and get some poor bulls curiosity fired up enough to come within bull range but uh i mean i i if if i'm not elk hunting i'd like to put some time in the uh whitetail stand and i feel like that that first week to two weeks is is super important if you want to if you're thinking about killing a a deer early in the in the season because if i know we we've talked about this and um my buddy chris and i have talked about this quite a bit too but when that velvet starts coming off the antlers it's like those deer just going to hiding somewhere and uh maybe we can toss the uh toss a call to action here on the on maybe the answer to this to, to shane to see 
maybe he 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 might know the the uh how the activity changes in that time period but i feel like i know judging from our trail cameras man those deer are gone for like a solid week after the like the second week of our our tree there so yeah i wouldn't disagree there not that but they then they change their like time patterns it's almost like you don't even see them at night like sorry during the day and then you might get the odd camera picture at like midnight it's just like what the heck like what's going on here yeah and they start getting out of those voucher groups and and uh things start changing for them right the old uh hormones start changing yeah have you guys thought of uh are you guys get picking up any new gear before we get in hunting season Kristen? uh you know if anything it might be a few new arrows just to get the the old dad bow in line there and uh make sure it's shooting straight that kind of thing nothing too big on the horizon though uh hunting season's going to be a real like touch and go kind of thing for me so um hard to say what the investment kind of point would be um i was thinking about maybe even like uh a light a light pair of skeller ups might be nice because i got the arctic ones but that might be a little bit of warm in you know late august slash early october kind of season so maybe a lighter pair of those might be on the wish list you know yeah one thing i hate well not that i hate doing but like if you know you're going into a muddy field i don't like wearing my good like hikers in there even though they're super comfy and obviously they can, they can handle it but i just i mean it, it's abuse that those boots don't have to take and if i'm not putting lots of miles on then putting on a light pair of like early season scalar ops or something like that would be perfect mm-hmm. totally how are you Sheldon? anything gear wise on the on the list um yeah like the, the one thing that i really want to get another one uh, and a little bit bigger is just that good ground blind I've got one, but it's kind of, I can shoot my bow out of it, but it's kind of touch and go. Like you kind of got to draw it a certain way. So, um, I'd like to just get a little bit bigger one. Um, just be, I don't know, just to have more, that more room and, and I just be a little bit more versatile on, on certain tactics, I guess, but one that's probably one, on my hit list. Yeah. One person recommended to me to get a, I think it's called a baronet, bar, baronet or baronet blinds. And they seem to make just these castles of like pop-up blinds. And uh don't try thinking about like for my dad. I, I normally don't sit in a blind and and uh but I certainly might if they're more comfortable. But like hunting with my dad now, he's he's older and his his mobility isn't what it used to be. And man, we were cramped in this little pop up ground blind last fall and it was not a good time. <laughs> I will certainly tell you that. And and like if we had to move to like make a shot on an animal, it'd be treacherous in there like I'm, I'm i'm having like like i'm thinking this playing out in my head of like some one of us falling over in the chair and like the whole blind going for a tumbleweed down the down the shooting lane or something you know what i mean so i think having that extra space is is worth the investment but mm-hmm. just gotta put out the cash for it yeah and i i like the ground blind idea for archery just because you can kind of run and gun with it as in i've seen you know bucks coming out of a certain area where I don't really have a stand and if I can get in there and what I do is normally if it's kind of a last minute idea, I'll go in there like the day before or like midday and just pop it up and throw some branches up around it. And then you can kind of almost get into that shooting lane. And, and then not only that, but it kind of helps with the mosquitoes and bugs and stuff when, uh, you know, early, early season archery, that can be, you know, game changer sitting out in the tree stand. So that always helps, but yeah, good, a good ground blinds always nice to have. Yeah. I looked them up here as baronet blinds. Like you were saying, Chase, they, uh, they have an Instagram page going and, uh, I noticed that big Joe is not following them. So he might want to give them a little look-see there given his size and stature in the, yeah. the hunting world. Yeah. Joe Apple, you're talking about. Yeah. He's been killing on Instagram lately though, too. That guy lives a dream, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, no kidding. He's got uh he's doing a lot of food and cooking and stuff. That's really nice to see. Yeah. And to fill that frames, what is he, like six, eight, three hundred pounds? Yeah. Probably goes through a lot of food. Yeah. Speaking of gear though, um if you're looking to get some new gear, we're actually really happy to announce that we are now working in partners with Rat River Outdoors and Saint Pierre Jolie. I think that's how you say it in French. So if you're looking for some gear, they've got the online store fired up. Um, they've also 
are open uh, Tuesday to Saturday. And on Thursdays and Fridays, they're open till 7 p.m. So that's pretty nice, especially you can hit that up after work. But check them out, Rat River Outdoors, St. Pierre, Jolie, and uh, check them out online. Check out their online store. And thank you very much to that group. That's a, that's always a bonus getting those after hours hours in there. I feel like that's super important for people, you know, working the 9 yeah. to 5. And not yeah. only that, but just supporting uh, a local retailer that's not your major, like, box store kind of thing is obviously awesome yeah i haven't been in there yet but from what i can tell um from his online stuff his instagram page go follow him instagram by the way they've got a lot of like a lot of gear they got a lot of guns they've got coffee they've got like basically everything you need uh he's got i think a whole new room of like fishing gear and tackle and rods so yeah it's it's worth a stop if you're if you're driving by that's for sure and I uh, I like doing the old Cabela's run just as much as anyone else, I should say. Well, but I I always find whenever I go to like the, the local kind of um, shops that you get kind of a level of service that, well, virtually, there's no way Cabela's could offer that level of service. You know what I mean? It just wouldn't be feasible for them with their business yeah. model. So, but you get to meet someone who, you know, really knows the local community and also, like, could probably tell you every product they have in that store as well, which is, you know, and why it's in there, which is, you know, pretty specialized in a lot of ways when you think about it. Yeah, and and to add on to that too is like, ninety nine point nine percent of the people that work in that store, um, not saying uh, just Rat River Outdoors, gen, but in the general like small mom and pop outdoor stores they've used like everything on their shelves and they have experience or, and if not, they'll like be really truthful with you. Be like, yeah, you don't need that. Try this out. Um, you know, you get to the big box store experience. It just seems like, Oh yeah, this is the best thing you can get. This one's a hundred dollars more, but it's way better. Um, that kind of mentality when you get to the big box stores. But yeah, my old buddy Tyler there always says like, uh, how the, how did that guy at the Cabela's desk know what they're biting on? He says he's seen them there every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go fishing to know what they're biting on. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, I picked up uh, a couple new things for the hunting season this year. I know you guys were dying to ask me. so Just a minor purchase, I believe. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say minor purchase. Uh, two things for my for my bow. I know what you're thinking about. Two things for my bow that I picked up was uh, a Bomar nose button. And turns out I can't touch it to my nose because just the way the string angle is. But but it does work well for like a a solid anchor point for me. And I will say that my shooting, my accuracy did did increase a bit with with the addition of that. The second thing that I picked up that I haven't tried out yet is the, uh, the Muzzy One, I believe they're called. And their uh, new set of broadheads that I picked up. So I got the new Muzzy ones. And I love them because they're one solid piece of metal. And there's not even like a, there's not even like a, a washer on them. Or like, you know, those holding rings that hold in um, some of the broadhead blades and stuff like that. This is one piece of machine metal and no other parts on it. So... It's a pretty attractive feature to me, just less things to go wrong or less things to, to have an issue with. The less variables I ha- I feel like I have, then the better off I'll be. So it's a three-blade broadhead made, made by Muzzy. I haven't actually shot them yet, so I have no idea how good they shoot, but it has some pretty good reviews. And uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to those. I feel like when you, you think about it from a design perspective, like having like a single i don't know if they cast it or what but like a single solid piece of metal that's flying through there reduces any or highly reduces the risk of error of anything going wrong with that thing for sure obviously there's i mean they they have some pretty high standards for for the other broadheads because 90 percent oh i bet you over 90 percent of other broadheads are are multiple piece broadheads right so I don't know, but I just feel like nothing can go wrong with those. Knock on wood. Don't ruin my elk season for saying that. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Can hit an oak tree <laughs> yeah. this time around. Yeah, they'll definitely cut down a poplar. Yeah. What was the other thing you got? There's multiple things, isn't there? Um, that nose button, the broadheads, uh, 
all bow related. All bow related. What else do I want to get? I got a new truck. Ooh. That's going to be a... <laughs> Might as well add that in there. Yeah. That's a, that's a heavy flex. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not really going to change anything hunting-wise for me. And that's about it. There, One quicker. thing I do want to get is like a, a matching rain jacket to my rain pants. So I'm running like this random two-color rain suit and... I'm in that boat too. Your, yeah. your rain jacket looks like you got it out of a kokanee box. Isn't it blue and like <laughs> yeah. blue and white? Mine, yeah, it's an Under Armour rain jacket, and it's like uh, it's like the winter camel kind of style. So it's good. It's not bad in the poplars, but like uh, you get into like some swamp country and and like the the pines, it's not so great. <laughs> totally. Yeah, rain gear, rain gear would be nice. I don't have any other than like my fishing ring gear but the biggest the biggest thing i noticed in in uh last time we were elk hunting was like getting up and getting out there in the early dew covered forest morning of the hours kind of thing is that like some days depending on the vegetation you walk through you are absolutely soaked from your waist down if you don't have rain gear on by the time you get to your hunting spot yeah and that's the thing too is like when i used to tree plant we used to wear gators a lot so they go up to like half almost to your knee some of them and i'm almost wondering if those would be worth putting on in the morning times because like it seems like even if you're walking in the short grass by the time you're done walking for a few hours you're you're soaked up past your knees just because it keeps you know shins and everything keeps getting wet and wet everything just soaks it in but yeah i gotta i got something to try I got a pair that one day it was raining really hard and I went for a rip around. I had my rain gear on. I threw my gaiters on top of my rain gear just so like the bottom of my rain gear wouldn't catch as much on like twigs and stuff like that. They right. work really good. My biggest issue is my legs are about as straight as a pencil, so they don't really stay on my legs real great. But they do uh they do help. <laughs> your legs and your hips. Yeah. <laughs> You need suspenders for your rain gear. Yeah, I need suspenders for my gaiters. <laughs> <laughs> you have sock suspenders, gator suspenders, rain gear suspenders. Yeah. I I find that I kind of got to this point in uh with hunting and like just thinking about hunting specifically because like the rain gear is obviously helpful for fishing at, at times too, but like with hunting it was I know there's been a huge kick on Gore-Tex and stuff like that. But if it's raining hard and you want to be out in the field, I just find, like, you need that rain gear. Like, if it's going to, something that's going to stop that water, um, absolutely. Because you're, you're already going to get wet, probably, with your hands and stuff like that, right? So you're going to be a little cold or a little damp in that regard. Um, maybe around your neck even still. But, like, if I, I feel like I'm willing to sacrifice up a little noise making that might come from a more structured suit to just keep me dry and in the field longer when I'm out there. Yeah. The one thing I, I do kind of make the comparison of, cause you can like buy some very, very expensive rain gear and I don't have the most expensive rain gear. Like my pants are just like slip on rain pants and, and uh, like the, the same style top would be like a very budget either zip up and you can buy actually a pullover version of it too. And it's just a single layer. It's nothing fancy. Just as long as it doesn't tear, I'm good with it kind of thing. It's decent camo. And uh, for the amount of days I do spend in the rain hunting, which is like maybe one to five a year, I'll say, it does the job just fine. But like uh, you hear guys say, you know, if you're going up hunting in Alaska, probably going to want something a little better than that. Something that you don't mind spending a weekend or 10 days or whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. Fuck Alaska. How about northern Manitoba? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I spend lots of like days on days on days. You don't see the sun. You need some good rain gear. Yeah, I, I, Tristan, yeah, I agree 100%. I'd rather sacrifice a little bit here to stay dry. And uh, so what else is what else we got lined up for the fall? We've kind of gone over our tree plans here, Sheldon, you, you're – targeting moose um any plans for waterfowl i'd really like to get out on like a a field hunt we didn't do that too much last year and just mainly learning how to treat um waterfowl harvest i think has really revolutionized the way i i view that meat and that and how i might use it so i think you know well and i think they made some changes to the goose regulations too 
Um, there might be a lot of opportunity there is what I'm saying. Yeah. In the, in the pursuit of, uh, of trying to live off the land kind of thing, I think like after I'd certainly like to get on a couple of solid goose hunts and, and, uh, stock up on, on some goose meat. Sheldon. Yeah. And after talking about some of the guys that we've talked to in the past year, like Hank Shaw, stuff like that, do you think there's any going to be like any extras you're going to keep off that goose? Like maybe some goose hearts or duck hearts, gizzards, something like that. Anything in the, in the plans that way? I certainly like to do some more hearts and, uh, I've, I've cooked up livers and gizzards in the past too, and they, they've turned out great. Uh, so, I mean, just even having those available in the freezer when you're looking for something, some sort of change is, is always a good option, right? Well, it's kind yeah, of, for sure. it's kind of funny too, because if you look at like some of the Winnipeg food culture that's happening now, like some of these really trendy places, like it, like, I don't know where they so, source all their stuff from, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see a, like a goose liver pate hit the menu at one of these joints. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's something that maybe hunters have had exposure to. Maybe not like the pate side of thing, but um, maybe some, some out there do. But um, I think we have a real opportunity here just as um, we could be the trendsetters in a lot of ways. Eh? <laughs> I, I made a, a venison pate out of the, my deer, one of my deer livers last fall. And uh, it obviously made way too much pate for me to handle. I tried giving, I gave some away, but uh, I think uh, goose livers would be much more manageable to to create into a pate for like a, just like an evening for friends and family to snack on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Your liver's a little large. I wonder if you could cook them up like itchy band style. You know what I mean? Like maybe even Sheldon could do it just like on the camp chef and just... <laughs> You'd have to do all this, the shouting and the screaming, though, Shelly. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> what is, what is what is pate like? What's the like? I I've seen it around, but I don't really know what it is. It's pretty much just like a, a emulsified version of like a sausage put into like a. It's liver bologna. Yeah, kind of. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But like, I mean, uh, I, I've watched, I've talked to Josh about it before and it, like you, you add some herbs and some, I think like sometimes you add some red wine or something like that to add some depth and character to it. But like at the end of the day, it's like a, a liver sausage or like a liver paste in some ways. Yeah. You see it on crackers and stuff. Like if you look at like how some of these charcuterie boards have been coming around in in Winnipeg, sometimes you just got to laugh and be like, hey, that's like a... That used to be a Saturday night at the cabin. You just put a bunch of meat, cheese, and pickles on a board. And, you know, after a few uh, wobbly pops. Yeah. We've and, been doing uh, that for years. Yeah. <laughs> we were trendsetters this whole time. And uh, here we are. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting to get out on a crane hunt. But I just don't have any of the gear right now associated kind of with crane hunting. Yeah. I know. I think you guys probably see a lot more in the territory you're in on the west side of the province there, Sheldon, it seems like. And I would I would love to get on a crane hunt and just try that that medium rare crane breast on the on the grill, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. We've tried it a couple times. It's really good. Nice. I know we shot cranes in the past, but everyone always kinda like gawked at their flavor and was like, Ooh, cranes. And uh we kept all the meat and I I kinda like I would just like um, soak them in milk, kind of thing, and make chicken fingers out of them, and deep fry the heck out of them. They turned out all right, but yeah, I, I thought they were kind of almost like uh, a little lighter in flavor than than a, a goose or something. But then again, like I said, the way we've treated waterfowl to where we are now, who knows? Yeah, I, I do have to say that I really had no idea what what I was doing back then, and well, not a not a great vision into what I was capable, what the capabilities are of some of these, some of these meats. So certainly wasn't a proper way of doing it or a proper judgment. Yeah. I guess we really got to like thank Frank Baldwin uh, somewhat for like changing our approach to waterfowl. It'd be good to have him back on the show again. I feel like. Oh buddy, those were, weren't those some aged uh, spatchcock ducks you did up on the pit barrel the other day there? H mallards yeah yeah 
Yeah, that was I'm like incredible. A that ten out of ten meal right there. Yeah, that was good. And they were those. Those are the grade A birds there that I I'd taken a picture of in the fall. I'm not sure if everyone saw on our Instagram, but like you could literally see the corn stacked into these things. So I made sure to label the bag accordingly, and you could see the fat just like rendering out of them. Yeah, that was beautiful, man. Yeah, those turned out really well. Well, until we get cooking again and until the next episode, you have to wait to hear what's on the grill. But that brings us to the end of 55 for this week on Panoramic Outdoors. Thanks for listening. I would like to thank everyone that supports us, obviously. And uh, just anyone who's out there who, uh, you know, wants to support the work we do, uh, give us a like, give us a follow, comment. All those things help. Check out our store. Yeah. Lots of gear in there. Speaking of our store, thanks to everyone that just purchased something on our sale, kind of our midsummer sale. And just a heads up, we do have a buff style neck tube coming out here in a few weeks. Ooh, so I'm excited about them. Keep keep your eye out on them. For keep your eye out for them. Okay, guys, make sure you're getting your reps in out there. Keep your knife sharp, powder dry, and the lines tight. Catch you next time. See ya. <laughs>